Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the A-List Podcast is brought to you by BetUS.com. Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. This is A. Shrod Blakely with the co-host with the most, Kwani A. Lunas. How you doing today, Kwani? Today I'm the co-host with a little bit. <laughs> oh, she got a little bit. Okay. Because I'm exhausted, but I'm excited to talk about What's on our agenda today? <laughs> I am uh, excited to talk about it as well. Uh, before we get into it, just a special shout out to BetUS.com, uh, who is doing what all people should be doing and all companies should be doing, and that's sponsoring the A-List podcast. But uh, <laughs> shout out to BetUS.com. With their support is amazingly awesome. And something that is not so amazingly awesome uh, is our good friend Marcus Smart. Uh, who I love to death, love to death, but he, uh, he's he been a bad boy lately, uh, suspended for the final preseason game, which was supposed to be the tune-up slash dress rehearsal for the regular season uh, for uh, violating team rules, and the Celtics didn't really want to talk about it, and then about two seconds later, Woj says, hey, Woj bomb drop. Uh, Marcus Smart apparently missed the team playing and will to Orlando and thus uh, suspended for the Miami game. Uh, he was not supposed to play in the Orlando game. Ime Udoka had said previously that he was going to rest his guys for that Orlando game anyway, uh, which makes the Marcus Smart missing the team playing even worse because you weren't going to play. Uh, you literally just had to show up and get on a plane and you're good. It's so, Kwani, uh, I, I, I got so many things that, that are going through my head on this one. But Same, I, 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 I want to I, I, I put the ball in your court to, to, to kick this off because I, I just, I'm afraid that I will just ramble on forever today if I get started. <laughs> so you, you start off so that I will take, taper back my response. Okay. Well, my first point, which as you probably are just as questioning yourself, is why did he miss the plane? What were the circumstances surrounding that? I definitely need someone to do some digging on that because not that it would justify whether or not he should have missed his flight, but it would give a little more clarity. But I do think the positive in this situation is the fact that it shows, assuming that this suspension came from Ime Udoka, it shows that he's very serious about this team and that any little infraction is going to be taken seriously enough that there will be a penalty for it. I don't know if you could consider not playing in the last preseason game, a penalty, especially when it's in Miami. There are thoughts on that. But overall, I do think that if 
he was missing, if he didn't miss his flight for a specific reason that was unacceptable to the team, it shows that Ime does have this level of discipline that he is apparently going to use with his players this season. Yeah, well, for me, first and foremost, the fact that Ime did not waste any time throwing down a gauntlet on mm-hmm. this and addressing it and trying to, as quickly as he could, brush it aside and move on. That's, right. that's, that was a good sign uh, because in, in its, if it were an isolated incident, it would be just not that big a deal. And the Celtics, I think the way they're approaching it is as if it's not that big a deal. But you're, this is that final preseason game isn't going to make or break your season. But what it does is it gives you a sense of what you're going to be looking at from the out the blocks at the start of the season. And for the Celtics, this is what we're looking at in their final rehearsal game. No Marcus Smart, no Jalen Brown. No Al Horford. That's three of your top five, top six players that you're not going to be putting out there in the game that you want to put them out there in. So my issue with Marcus is timing more than anything else. I mean, there's never a good time to miss a team playing or to be disciplined. But this is really, really bad timing on his part, Uh, because, again, you want to develop cohesion and consistency with your team. And when half of your top five, top six players are out, you can't do that. And like you, Kwani, I'm curious to know exactly why he missed that flight. Uh, Because, again, that would give if if it was just, you know, overslept or something like that. Fine. But if there's something more to it, uh, then then let's let's hear what that is. Obviously, Marcus is not going to want to talk about that. Uh, But man, it's it's this is part part of leadership is accountability. Uh, owning up to your good and the bad. And and this is clearly something that is not a good thing for the Celtics or Marcus Smart. Uh, so I'm hoping that this is one of those things that it happened, we move on, the season can go on as is, and then they can just hopefully get off to a good start. But it's going to be difficult when you play seven of your first 10 games on the road and you're going to be going into the season without having a look at half of your, basically half of your rotation. Uh, this is not the way... If you're Ime Udoka or the Celtics, you'd want to get your season off and running with. So, And to add a little more to that, it is the final game, preseason game, which means we are going to see who ends up making that 15-man roster. Mm-hmm. Again, we know Marcus will be on that, you know, has a spot secured, but it would be nice for the – even, honestly, the other players that are trying to secure a spot to see how they can play with that starting lineup. But now we won't necessarily be able to see that because – Half of that starting lineup is gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and there's so many guys that I, you know, are in that he's probably not going to make the team. But man, I sure would like to get a look at him. Yeah. Uh, and then you got guys on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, like Jason Tatum, who we've talked about. You know, he needs to get other guys involved. He needs to be more than just an elite score. Well, I hate to break it to folks, Tatum's going to have to get buckets. Like Tatum has never gotten buckets mm-hmm. up to this point early on because it's going to take time for Al and Jalen to kind of really get back into the flow of things. It's going to take time for them to develop that chemistry because the only thing they know right now that they can feel very comfortable with with that starting group is Tatum is going to get buckets. Now, here's a scenario, and and, and shout out to our producer behind the scenes, Ahmed, because we were talking about this uh, beforehand, about Dennis Schroeder, uh, who's going to more likely than not, if he's not starting, he's going to get a pretty sizable chunk of those minutes with Marcus out. Mm -hmm. What if Schroeder starts balling out? And starts and puts up big numbers in that first game. And what if after Marcus comes back to start the season, when the games actually count, Schroeder is still playing at a really high level. Um, 
it could create a very interesting dynamic for, mm -hmm. for all parties involved. Uh, I like the idea of guys pushing each other, stepping mm -hmm. their game up so that others have to step their game up. But it could get very uncomfortable real quick. Mm -hmm. And when we look back and say, man, how did we get here? We're going to come back to a damn missed flight and think like, damn, that's how that's how we got here. And, and, and I, it makes me think about Isaiah Thomas's ascension to being that guy. He's got burned because Marcus got hurt. And they just threw him in there thinking, well, we'll just bring our back up in here, give the team a spark. And when Marcus comes back, all is well. And Isaiah went on to become a two-time All-Star, a top-five finisher for league MVP, and, you know, just had maybe one of the greatest Cinderella runs with the Celtics franchise probably in the last 10, 15, 20 years with what he was able to do in that frame uh, and, and some of the adversity that he overcame. Um, so I, I hope that we're not seeing a, a situation of that all over again where – you know, uh, Marcus, for whatever reason, is out of action for a short period of time, opens the door for someone else to come in, play their asses off. And now all of a sudden you got to make some tough calls. Uh, we're, we're not there yet, obviously, but you can't help but think in the back of your mind, is it possible that we could wind up there in like another two, three weeks? Maybe. I love that analogy. And to get really dramatic with it, is this a Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe situation? Ooh. <laughs> but your point is really valid because you look at Dennis Struder again, we're not going to let up on him not getting that contract in LA. He is hungry right now. So he's going to come in motivated, ready to play, ready to, to scrap and really prove himself. So that is actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I am now even more looking forward to seeing what he does on the floor because he has a lot to prove. He does. He does. But my, my, my money is still on Smart. I, I just think that guys like Smart are going to find a way to make an impact, even if his minutes are limited. But I just I hope that this incident won't do anything to impact his long term uh, prospects. With this Hopefully incident. it motivates him, if anything, to be better, though, as, yeah. as you mentioned, because if you see someone is potentially gunning for your role, you need to step up in every area yeah. of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And and before we, uh, you know, this shortly after our last podcast uh, aired, uh, Jalen Brown. <laughs> seconds uh, after we got yeah, off. Like, like literally seconds after we were hit the send button and all was out there. I was going to email y'all. I was like, should we record this again? <laughs> but it, was I, it, it was. Yeah. I mean, I know you guys would not do that. but I, I absolutely do. Uh, but Jalen, Jalen, as, as everyone knows by now, it tested positive. Mm -hmm. He's in isolation right yeah. now and he's likely to be back before the season over. Ime Yudoka has been pretty consistent when talking about Jalen as more likely than not to return in time uh, for that season over against New York Knicks next week. And what are you expecting from Jalen? I mean, it's going to be 10 days since he's done anything seriously basketball related, interacting with his team. I mean, do, I mean, do you think he'll just hit the ground running? Do you think it'll take him a little bit of time? What, what do you think his, his prospects are going to be? Just knowing how motivated he is and the growth that he's shown over the last few years, other than the fact that we have we confirmed whether or not he had symptoms, they uh, that has not been confirmed. Um, I, I I've heard different stories on that, but I, I would I'd just say that he just tested. The only thing we know for sure is he, is he tested positive. Right. So, yeah, assuming that he didn't actually have symptoms and he's just asymptomatic and 
as you mentioned, quarantining for the sake of the people around him. I don't imagine that he'd come back and want to be a slacker. You know he loves the game. We've seen how hungry he is every time he hits the floor. Coming back from his surgery last season and really being able to just get back into the game, that's something that he's always been motivated to do. So I don't have any question that he's going to come back and play to the highest level that he possibly can. Because obviously there is some, when you don't play for 10 games, thank you, Amit actually just confirmed that he is asymptomatic and quarantining. But when you haven't played in 10 games, I want to hope that he's been able to work out or do something, but it'll just definitely take some time. I think even within the game, just warming up to being back at that NBA level of basketball, but I'm not worried about him. Well, my, my biggest concern with, with him uh, isn't necessarily his health. It's a big deal, obviously. Yeah. But for me, the bigger concern with Jalen is chemistry and timing. Okay. Uh, the fact that they're beginning the season with so many road games at the front end of the schedule. Chemistry and timing becomes so much more important because you're you all you got is you. You, yeah. you can't you can't feed off the crowd because that crowd is they're trying to starve you. So you can't feed off them. They they're trying to do every damn thing they can right. to get in your head. You're not the T D garden. Right. Yeah, you're not the T D garden. So you don't have the benefit of having the home crowd. You don't have the benefit of having chemistry. And I don't care what anyone says. I don't care how many years you played with a guy. When you have a team with new members of that team, your team chemistry dynamic changes. The way that you played last year, you cannot do everything in the same way. One, because you got new teammates. Two, you got a new head coach who has a different kind of system that isn't necessarily going to be cookie cutter identical to the one that you played all these years under Brad. And it takes some time for that. And, and, and again, some players can pick up that chemistry thing in, in no time. Others, it takes a little bit of while to adjust. And I just don't have a sense of how quickly – Jalen is going to be able to really kind of do what Jalen does, but do that within the framework of what you, Ime and, and the coaching staff wants to do. And it's not a selfish thing. It's not Jalen trying to, to be something he's not. It's just simply a matter of timing, working with guys, getting a feel for how each other plays. How, he doesn't, I mean, I don't think he has a great feel, for example, Dennis Schroeder, when he's passing the ball. Jalen still has to work on that timing when he's on the floor with Josh Richardson. How do they do switches? Does Josh Richardson like to switch certain matchups and not others? All those little things that Jalen probably knows, but have those things, has he been, has he spent enough time around him to where those things are muscle memory? So he's not out there thinking. And I don't think that's the case because I just, again, that's the whole point of having preseason games and preseason practices. So you can develop that chemistry and develop that timing. Uh, And, you know, Jalen is still a fairly young guy, and 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 he's still, you know, uh, a lot of things are fresh. But even for OGs in the game, like Al Horford, who shortly after Jalen tested positive, Al tested positive, and he's out. And his status is a little bit more uncertain as far as when he's going to come back. Ime said there's a slim chance that he may be available for the opener, perhaps. Uh, but I, I'm thinking that's probably not going to be the case. Uh, and so at some point, bottom line is this, the Celtics are going to go into the season with a roster that hasn't had the kind of time to work together from a chemistry standpoint. And you're hoping that they can just figure these things out on the fly. But the one thing that the really, really good teams have is cohesiveness, cohesiveness and continuity. And that tends to take a little bit of time. It doesn't happen overnight. And that's my biggest concern with the Celtics that what we see at the start of the season 
Uh, they're not going to be, to pull out my Brad Stevens uh, quote list, they're not going to be the best versions or even close to the best versions of themselves. The only real mystery at this point is can they still do enough to win the game? Are they going to need Jason Tatum to play a lot more hero ball the start of the season because guys are still trying to figure out their roles and how to impact winning? Uh, so th there's a lot of uh, just questions about this team and how they're going to proceed going into the season due to the health and safety protocol issues that they're facing. You mentioned Josh Richard Richardson, and I don't want to pick on him specifically. But, but you're about to pick on him. No, I'm not. I definitely what will What is not. it when people say what they're not going to do? Um, no, but I'm actually do. not going to pick on him. What are you going to do, Kwani? Go ahead. I am going to ask you as we look forward <laughs> to this final preseason game, who do you foresee potentially making this roster? And yes, I was going to kind of pick on him, but I changed my mind. <laughs> I see. That, that was a, That's called a pivot, y'all. <laughs> No, I, I listen. I I think the the guy that's going to get that 15th spot is going to be Jabari Parker. Yeah, um, I think he'll be the 15th guy. And and to be candid with you, if that's my 15th guy, uh, I'm okay with that because the thing about Jabari, he's one of the few guys in this team that has a very specific skill set, and that skill set is something that can be to your benefit. If you can surround him with guys that can defend space. He's going to be okay because he can't defend space. Uh, and and bless his heart, the effort is there. The, the but the body is just like, dude. I can we can get buckets, but don't ask for no more. Uh, we ain't locking nobody up. We ain't blocking no shots. We not we not switching defensively the way they want us to because we ain't doing that. That's not who we are, Jabari. Uh, I'm your body. I'm gonna get buckets. I'm body buckets. Uh, I'm not body defense. We don't do that. And and. The Celtics, I'm okay with that because, again, they're going to be nice where they're, where they're going to need someone to get just score. Get them at least, you know, six, seven points, maybe in a short period of time to either get them back into a game or extend the lead, just something like that. And I think Jabari has that skill set. And, and I think this, there's a soft spot for Jabari, I think, with these guys. I mean, they know what this dude has been through. They know that, you know, he has been on the, the cusp of, of just not being in the league anymore. And this is a guy that, you know, came into the league Number two pick. Uh, so it's not like this guy is chopped liver. But, uh, again, 15th roster spot, I'm okay with a guy there who has a very strong, specific skill set because there's a reason why he's at the end of the bench and not in your regular rotation or playing somewhere else. Uh, there are certainly flaws to his game. But I love the fact that Jabari is a – he's a professional scorer. I mean, that was one of Doc Rivers' favorite – Doc Rivers-isms when he was here about certain guys are just professional scorers. And there is no doubt – that Jabari Parker falls in, in that line, that category. Okay. What about you, Kwani? I hadn't actually thought about it, to be honest, which is such a terrible thing to say. Well, Kwani, I'll just be honest with you. Most yeah. people are not thinking about the last man on the roster. That's most true. People, most people are thinking about who's going to be starting, particularly with this Celtics team, when you've got, like, like as we talked about earlier, you've got damn near half of your rotation will not be playing in the final preseason game. And, and that's the frustration because you – like the last game is where everyone was like, oh, okay, now we'll have a bigger sample size of mm -hmm. who could potentially make the cup. But now that you know the starters aren't there, that's not to say you can't see how they're going to perform the last men on the roster, but it doesn't give you a better sense of how, like you mentioned earlier, their chemistry will work with these starting lineups, which is, I think, one of the crucial parts of picking who your 15th man is going to be. Yeah, and, and chemistry is something that this Celtics team, I think, definitely needs um... – it's a concern. There, there's absolutely no getting around that. Uh, what is not a concern 
is our good friends at BetUS.com. Listen up, sports bettors. This is H. Rock Lakely. I'm here to tell you a little bit about my favorite sports book, and that is BetUS.com. You need a sports book of integrity, longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. Uh, I can tell you right now, when we had our, our event uh, in downtown Boston, uh, Kwani knows this for, for facts. I was glued into that Cincinnati-Notre Dame game. Uh, shout true. out to BetUS.com. Yes. Yes. Wait, I didn't get a cut from that. No, you did not. But that's okay. It's all good. Yes, you do. Kwani, you got a liquid cut, but we're going to leave that alone. That's true. Touche. See? They, see how quickly they forget? Uh, anyway, uh, you need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horse racing, you name it. They got it. Check out their offers, and you can get up to a 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody bets. Nobody beats that. I bet at US at BetUS.com, and so should you. Don't forget the promo code BSJ when you sign up, betus.com, where the games begin. And speaking of games beginning, beginning, (laughs) exactly. Speaking of games that are beginning, that was so petty. We've got, we've got the, We've got the last preseason game against Miami, and normally I would be kind of psyched up and geeked about that because it's a chance to see all the guys play. Right. And then you get oh my rotations, but then you realize, oh damn, there's no Marcus, there's no Al, and there Jalen probably will be there, but we don't know that for sure. So this again, potentially you're looking at a very different opening night rotation than what you're going to see throughout the year, uh, and so I'm, I'm not. I'm looking at the the final preseason game as one more opportunity to look at guys who I see as being on the fringe of the rotation who are probably going to be in the rotation for that last game. And I'm thinking specifically about Romeo, good friend Romeo Langford, and I'm thinking about Aaron Neesmith. Both of those guys have shown really good stuff in the preseason in different ways. Uh, Neesmith has shown a little bit more comfort shooting the ball, uh, and Romeo has shown the ability to – I think score in, in stretches, knock down that corner three, which is a shot that I think he really needs to lock in on and make it a part of his kind of daily game and game out regimen. Uh, Cause he can make that shot. And it's a shot that's going to be there when you got dynamic guys off the dribble, like Tatum and Brown, Schroeder, Marcus Sparkle, on and on, on. But I, I can't, I'm, I'm, j- I'm not as jazzed up for that game as I want to be because I have guys that I know aren't going to be there. Mm-hmm. It's just a game in Miami. It's a was it the well they're not the main Celtics versus the Miami Heat. I mean, to me, it's a game like the, game the outcome itself doesn't matter. Right. Uh, but what does matter is who plays and how they play, and how does that translate going into the season opener? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that for me is is really why it's 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 hard for me to get jazzed up for that one. Um, but I tell you what. I don't have a problem in Jazz for that opener in New York. That's going to be, first of all, the first game of the season is always a big deal, no matter who you're playing, no matter where the game is at. But when you look at the storylines, the biggest one obviously being Kimball Walker is back in the crib playing for a hometown team in a building where he has had some of his best games as a basketball player in life. And you better believe that Kimball, he's going to have he's going to have a camp. Cardiac Campbell just might be in a building. He that might be re... What's the... Yeah, whatever. I, I was going to go into a whole medical thing that didn't work the way it was planned. Continue. 
Kim Cardio Kimba might be back in the building. He may go back and be Yukon Kimba, the dude that was killing everybody. Yeah, I haven't seen in a while. And that we haven't seen that in a while. But the one thing that you know, I think between now and then, I, I certainly I know the Knicks are, are cognizant of is Kimba's health uh, and just making sure that knee and and those limbs are, are good to go. Because I I know that Kimba in New York, they have had him on some semblance of a load management uh, program, not trying to. Uh, you know, kind of cutting down at the time that he's practicing a little bit and having him sit out some drills, kind of the stuff that he was basically doing in Boston. Uh, but Kemba, you know, if he were like the only storyline, that'd be cool. But then you got Evan Fournier, who, I mean, basically the Knicks starting backcourt is the Celtics' old backcourt. Uh, and I, I don't know how I feel about that Knicks team now when they've got, the, the, they've got a couple of Celtics. I mean, what, what's, what do you expect to see? when these two go at it next week? Assuming that most of the starters are there, it's going to just be a very chippy game, not in a negative way, but I know there'll be a lot of trash talking, especially when you hear the way Jalen always, anybody really with Kemba, with Isaiah Thomas, I feel as though that's always a fun dynamic to keep an eye on. But Mm -hmm. if anything, I'm more curious to see what that Knicks roster looks like because we we've been watching the Celtics enough to kind of have a sense of what they might look like. But I want to see how the Knicks look well in one game, how they potentially will look during their regular season. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely have added more talent. I mean, when you look at a guy like Fournier, you add a guy like Kimba Walker. Those are two very good players on any roster, regardless of, of who's on that team. And then, you know, coming off the, the season that Julius Randle had, you know, he was an all-star. Can he build on that? Mm-hmm. And the X factor to me in all of this is always Tom Thibodeau, the head coach. Uh, his ability to get guys to buy in defensively and really play as a team good defense. That's going to be the big challenge with Kemba. Because Kemba, you know, the effort, again, the effort is there. But there's just only so much you can do when you're six feet tall. Mm-hmm. And you defending guys who are six three, six four, six five, And Kimba is a good athlete, but he doesn't have, like, ridiculous off-the-charts athleticism. And, again, teams have, over the course of a game, they're, they're going to – they find pockets of when they expose that. Uh, Kimba typically puts up a good fight, and I respect the way that he's able to dig in when guys are trying to post him up and make it as difficult as possible. But there are going to be stretches where he's going to get caught out there. And Tom Thibodeau's job, in part, is to try to minimize those mismatches that that are against Kemba and figure out how to keep that that Knicks defense playing at an elite level. Which again, they have they were really good last year as a team defensively, and I think they'll be as good, maybe even better. Uh, this is not going to be an easy game for the Celtics. It will be a difficult one. And then throwing the fact, as we talked about earlier, that you're going to go into that game with a team that with a team that you're not going to be fully complete, and even the guys that are able to play they won't have the same kind of build up and ramp up to the season that most everyone else in the floor has. And how much is that going to affect their impact? It remains to be seen, but it's something definitely to keep an eye on and monitor. I'm with you on that. And speaking of things to keep an eye on and monitor, I'm not even trying to follow the Kyrie Irving nonsense. Um, and I call it nonsense because a lot of what we're what the back and forth, it, it just it's just nonsensical from both sides. Uh, I, I think folks who are, you know, just kind of laying the hammer down on him, who are uh, who are vaccinated and, and are pro vaccination. I think some of the, the just some of the stuff I've seen and read directed toward Kyrie is just nonsense. Yeah. 
And, and 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 some of the stuff that Kyrie has has come back with, uh, particularly on his IG yesterday. I don't know if you had a chance to I watch. Did. That. I uh, did, and I'm. I, I, I think Mark Zuckerberg was censoring him. I think Adam Silver called Zuckerberg and was like, "Shut it down." Yeah. Jay Jay Tapper, I can see that conference just go, "Hey, what you doing, Mark?" Right? No, there was, was no like, you know way. IG. He, like, nah. Like, yeah, Kyrie on there right now. Oh, really? It, nah, yeah. he was being censored, which was wild to me. That I mean, that I guess was disappointing to see. Right? That was disappointing to see because when I was listening to Kyrie, I mean, whether you agree or disagree with him or not. Uh, there was some level of thought that he was putting into what he was saying. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to buy in that, that logic. I know a lot of people don't. Uh, I know a lot of the stuff he said, I'm not trying to buy into it. Just right. it- And I understand the, the worry of misinformation because that has been a, been a big issue over the last year and a half. But to your point, I'll let you continue. There's a level of how are we going to censor people if they're trying to express their actual thoughts? Well, the, th- the thing that, that bothered me about the potential censorship was that um, I didn't think he was saying anything that was overly, you need to shut this down. Like he was expressing yeah. more than anything else, his frustration with feeling as though he's being cast in a light that he does not believe is a reflection of who he is. Mm-hmm. Like he reiterated time and time again that he's not anti-vax mm-hmm. he, if, if you got vaccinated he's cool with you mm-hmm. that's just not him that's not something he wants to do and he's troubled by in his from his perspective how so many people who don't want to get the vax vaccine are being kind of put in this light and put in this bubble and and cast a certain way yeah, and, and, and like, people have lost their jobs due to the mandate right. And and I I understand what he's saying, but I I guess the thing that I I keep coming back to is we have a tendency in this particular matter to conflate a public policy and health issue with a person's right to choose to do whatever they want to do. And I've always been of the mindset that if you're talking about a public policy health issue, which is kind of which is what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. that should supersede your own personal whatever. Uh, But but again, Kyrie is entitled to feel however the hell he feels about it, just like the Brooklyn Nets were entitled to do whatever the hell they wanted to do in regards to him. Uh, if they want to say that we're not going to pay you max dollars for half a season, they would fit their right to say, you sit there, we respect what you're saying, but we're going to keep it moving. So you just stay right there until you want to join the train full time and we're good. Oh, that extension? Uh, I don't know if we're going to do that right now. We need to work out some things before we can actually feel comfortable giving you $185 million, uh, which I don't think anyone has an issue with them wanting to kind of put that on pause because this it's a big deal, you know, and, and one thing that has come out uh, that certainly has been kind of thrown out there, and I know I've talked with a couple of uh, scouts and executives about it because, we again, you can't have a conversation with anyone in the NBA now and Kyrie not come up. Um, in my class that I teach at BU, literally before class started, one of my students said, hey, I had a question for you. And I'm thinking like, oh, God, what, where are we going with this? Like, what test are we talking about? It was about Kyrie Irving and it was about, you know, Brooklyn and the position they took and whether, uh, you know, the IG. And it, it led to like a 15, 20 minute conversation. And that's kind of how it's been for most uh, people who are in the NBA stratosphere basketball world ecosystem Kyrie has become the hot button talking point that we all find ourselves uh having conversations about yeah and the irony is that 
Jonathan Isaac hasn't become just as vilified, I think, for it, which I don't believe either of them should be. But Kyrie did mention this on his live. He said he understands that, and I'm paraphrasing, that there are consequences to any action anyone decides to take. And so Mm -hmm. I think he does realize that there is the possibility of him not playing basketball. But he also made a point to emphasize the fact that he is not retiring from basketball. He has a lot left in him, and he has a lot left that he wants to show. He even talked about the next generation of ballers that want to play against him, kind of the way how LeBron always talked about playing with his son potentially in the NBA. So Kyrie is not done with basketball. The only thing right now is him figuring out a way to continue to play without getting vaccinated or the Nick of the Knicks, the Nets figure out a way to cater to him, which obviously they're not willing to do. And again, the state of New York has one of the strictest mandates throughout the country. So I don't foresee them changing that unless he's, lobbying politicians right now and trying to figure out a way out of it. <laughs> now, now the, the thing that I keep coming back to is that when we're talking about Kyrie, and I'm getting to the point now where I feel like every conversation every is a previous conversation. So to me, the, the, what I want to talk about now yeah. is what does this mean to the Celtics? Because if Kyrie's not going to be around for a year, that Brooklyn team isn't as good without him. They're still really good, but they're not as good without Does this, in your mind, move the needle at all as far as the Celtics trying to, to inch up into that, that upper echelon where Brooklyn presides right now? Not necessarily because there's a guy that goes by KD. It stands for Kevin Durant. Did you see that David Letterman? Yeah, I knew where you were going with that. <laughs> but I think with KD on that team, with KD on any team, you can't ever count them out. And that's not to say that he definitely will have to do a little more carrying of the team on his back. Obviously, he has Harden with him as well. But the next team that we saw last season, when they were healthy, even without Kyrie, they looked really good. So I don't think that necessarily gives the Celtics a pass to slack off and think that they'll have an easy street to the Eastern Conference Finals because New York, the, the I keep saying New York, New York in my head, but Brooklyn specifically, they are a team to definitely keep your eye on. I would never discount what they're capable of doing. Well, the, the thing about Brooklyn is this. I think they have a better roster with Kyrie yeah. active, but uh, I'm not convinced they're a better team with hmm. Kyrie than they are without him. And, and here's why. I think they've got some guys – who can fill that number three guy role, not as good as Kyrie, not as dynamic a score, but maybe a better fit. Uh, and I, I'm thinking, I mean, obviously they picked up Patty Mills in the offseason, and Patty Mills is nowhere close to being as good as Kyrie, not even close. But Patty Mills is a is one of those guys that when he gets it going, you ain't stopping him. Mm-hmm. You, ain't, you can't guard him when he's in that type of zone. That's a guy that if Kevin Durant – and James Harden, for whatever reason, aren't having their amazingly awesome upper echelon killing anyone in the building type games. Yeah, he'll step up. He, Patty Mills is a guy that you, that could very well be a factor. And, I, and there's another guy that we're not going to hear much from, or we didn't hear much from leading up to uh, the season, but I think could very well be a factor is Cam Thomas. Uh, mm-hmm. Rookie was the Summer League MVP uh, mm-hmm. from LSU. Uh, kid played at Oak Hill Academy. And Oak Hill has produced some really good players. He's the all-time leading scorer. His first game at LSU dropped like 26, 27 points. This is a professional score just coming out the NBA womb. He ain't run, he's not going to be able to run with the big dogs yet. He ain't there yet. 
but he is going to grow quick. He's got that type of ability. He can flat out score. That's and, and if you're looking at Brooklyn, and you're looking at guys who can help fill that void, you're gonna have, you've got a couple of professional scores in the building, and Patty Mills, who's the OG of that crew, and then you got a guy like Cam Thomas, who is a young on the rise up and comer. So, I worry about Brooklyn even more so because they got guys who I think can help that team. They have guys who will play with a little bit more of an edge because they know that they're only getting more burn because Kyrie ain't in the building and they're going to feed off the haters. The folks who say, y'all not that nice. You know, I mean, you look, man, you, you only ball and I think it's Kyrie ain't around. You know, you ain't really that nice. I mean, they're going to feed off that stuff and it's going to make them, I think a little bit more scarier because when you're dealing with Kyrie, you're dealing with James, you're dealing with Katie, you know what you're dealing with. You're dealing with three absolute, you know, elite top five, top ten players in the game. But you take one of them out and you throw in a bunch of other guys who are, aren't at that level, but damn, they scrappy. Damn, they play hard. Damn, they can score. They become a little bit dangerous in, in my eyes. Hmm. Uh, so you do see them threat to the Celtics. What's that? But you do see them as a potential threat. Still. Oh, they're better than the Celtics. Oh, okay. Even, oh, yeah, even, yeah. okay, so we agree. Even without Kyrie, Brooklyn is a better team than Boston. Yeah. It's that simple. And I, I think Boston has a better chance of competing against Brooklyn. I just don't think they can beat them. If, if we're talking about a best of seven series, no. They, they, it might go six games, maybe, uh, but they would not beat they them. And again, far. we've got a lot of season to play, obviously. Yeah, to even get there. But if we're talking about where each of those teams is right now on paper and you put them out there on the floor, Brooklyn wins that in five. That's a five, maybe six-game series, if mm-hmm. that. Oh, and that's without Kyrie. So I am of the mindset that Brooklyn's still the team to beat in the East, uh, which is which is interesting because the folks in Milwaukee are just like – They're chopped liver. They're actual chopped liver because I, I, I've, yeah, no I mean, one I, has put respect on their name since they won. I, I'm gonna tell you right now that they yeah. I haven't seen a champ as gets get as little respect. Hilarious. Then, then the Detroit Pistons back in 2004 when they beat the Lakers, they had okay, Justin yeah. Phillips, Rick yeah. and Ben Wallace, and the Lakers had Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Kobe, Shaq. They yep. were supposed to get their asses mopped, mm-hmm. and all the Pistons did that year was put together a gentleman's five game sweep. Because the one game they lost, I remember that game vividly. It was in L.A. and it went overtime. And I blame Rip Hamilton, who's my boy. I love yeah. Rip Staff. But, damn it, you left Kobe open late in the game. Come on, bro. You can't do that. So, yeah. anyway, they that Milwaukee team, low-key, and the folks from BetUS.com, y'all, y'all just might be getting some – me to put some cheddar on the Milwaukee Bucks. Because that's a team that I could see being in the mix to come out of the East. Because they – First of all, they know what it takes to win a championship. I love how you said it like it was groundbreaking, <laughs> but no, you're right. <laughs> the thing is, no, very few people expect them to repeat. I know, that's the sad I mean, part. I mean, they're considered, at, I mean, second, third best team in the East. And, and, and that just depends on what happens with Philadelphia, who we'll get to in a minute. Mm-hmm. But they're not thought of as like that – that team, they're not they don't they're not seen as a champ. They're seen as like a contender, even though they were in a championship belt. People yeah. looking at them like, oh, y'all, it's y'all a really non-bubble good. championship, too. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's like the it's like the Lakers got more props and more respect. Right. They got in, in this big ass bubble in, in Florida 
than the Bucks <laughs> did. And, and, and to make it to make the Bucks even worse, they were without their best player for like a game or two in that Atlanta series. And I was in Atlanta when, when Giannis went down. And when I saw him go down, I'm thinking the same thing everybody else was. It's a wrap. He ain't coming back. But that, his ability to get back off the mat eventually helped that team win. It, it, it galvanized that team in a way that um, they're never going to be the same. Uh, they're always going to feel that they can win a series, win a game, win a, win a, win it all uh, until you take that, take that away from them. So, um, but we touched a little bit on our good friend, Ben Simmons. Mm. I, um, I'm going to let you run with this for a little bit. Uh, Why do I have to run with it? He's back. I know. He's back with the team, but your boy, Ben Simmons, your boy, Ben Simmons, he's back with the team. Is he going to play? You think, I mean, do you, do you anticipate seeing him? running up and down the floor in a Sixers jersey. I just I can't see it happening. I like what are the Sixers? What is the front office? What is Doc Rivers? What is Joel Embiid saying to him that would convince him to come back to that team? Because if I'm Ben Simmons, my confidence is shot with the organization. I have no faith in my co-star and head coach. Even if, again, we talked about how they did call him out for legitimate reasons, but you don't air the family laundry out on national television. Well, So for him, it's just like, why would I want to go back there? Why would I want to play for an organization that already showed that they don't have any faith in me? Here's the here's the problem. Ben has to play. Well, because obviously. He can't, he, can't get, he can't leave until he played. If yeah. you don't want to stay, you got to play. Yeah, it's that simple. And as far as like what Joel said after that game seven loss and what Doc said, mm-hmm. that you know what I saw that as? I saw that as like you, you ever have a friend that isn't really doing right, but you don't have the heart to tell them they're not doing right. Mm-hmm. And at some point there's that one that even though what they do in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big a deal, but it's like the 17th time they've done that thing. Yeah. And then it's just like all that pent up frustration. It just comes. You you don't even see it coming out. It just it just comes out. And then you I start thought, talking about your own friend because you met. Okay, yeah. Well, Doc Rivers and Joel had that moment after Game Seven because they spent the entire season that defending him. Defending yeah. him. It's not that bad. He don't need to shoot. He don't need to shoot. He can defend. He can do this. He can do that. We love him. He's our guy. In the back of the mind, thinking, but damn, that's a Leo. What the hell is he doing? <laughs> man, that's a wide open dunk. What the hell is he doing? That's a good that's a damn ball. That's there's a reason why. I mean, they're. they're, they're literally begging you to shoot and we're begging you to shoot and in that game where he's got that layup slash dunk and he looks up at the rim and he passes to a guy who shoots free throws damn near as bad as he does you if if there were like vital if, if doc rivers and joel and were like hooked up to like an ekg or something like that when you you monitoring their vitals i'm thinking in that moment <laughs> Everything would have just fallen. Everything yeah. would have been a major day. Because I don't even think they were angry at him, per se. I think they were just, like, in shock, like, wait, did that just happen? Yeah. Did, did he just give up? And, and Ben is never going to be able to make that right again uh, in Philly. And so, to me, it makes sense for him to come back to play his ass off, try to sh- try to get his his trade value up. That's really what this is about. Because 
Philadelphia is playing, to me, they're playing this the way you should play it. This is a guy who needs you right now more than you need him. Because Philadelphia, look, there's nothing you can do. He's either going to play well or he's not going to play at all. If he plays well, that's going to help you get more in return for him. If he plays like crap, that's on him. We're, right now, Philadelphia, you're, you are in a situation where you know you have to move him, and you know more likely than not moving him is going to move you a step further away from a championship right now. So what you're trying to do is get as much quality assets as you can, and the only way you can do that is if he gets out there and play. If he doesn't want to stay, he must play. It's that simple. It is really that simple. Yeah, mic drop. You're right. <laughs> so now we have to see if he's willing to take the bullet and do it. But you know what? I don't know what Rich Paul's up to. Well, I feel like that man's always doing something. Listen, his agent. I am. I am not going to hate on Rich Paul because the thing about Rich Paul, people have to understand his job is to do the will of his clients. Mm -hmm. That is an agent's job. It is to do what your client believes is in their best interest. And Ben Simmons has made it clear. He feels in his best interest is to get the hell out of Philly. And his agent, I, Rich Paul, I give him props. He's doing what he can to make that happen. Uh, you know, he got Anthony Davis out of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. He got him to the place that Anthony Davis wanted to get to. Mm -hmm. and, and so then that's, that's his job. So they, I think, at some point realized – we got to do something different. I mean, this this staying at the crib thing is just not working, Ben. Uh, not only are you not helping your trade value, but but you ain't making money. Not only are you not making money, you are losing money. Uh, when they were supposed to cut you that that eight million and some change check, and they were just like, "Nope, we're putting it in escrow," and we will we'll be taking the fines that you rack up on a regular basis out of that money in escrow. And all of a sudden. Talks resume between Rich Paul and the Sixers. Ooh, okay, that's nice. Hey, Ben just happens to show up, ready to get his COVID, ready to get his test to make sure he's negative so he can rejoin the team. It's amazing how quickly, you know, and and, and, and again, well, I think I think at some point, Ben, it came to the realization that, damn, that's, that's a lot of money that I'm basically not going to get because I won't even take my ass to practice. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're literally not telling me I got practice. You just need you need to go to practice. You may not necessarily oh. have to play in the games. So let's talk about practice. Of all the franchises for it to just be about practice. It, exactly. Exactly. It's so poetic. And so <laughs> I think, but I think once he got there and once I think Ben started kind of reading the room, I think he understands he has to play and he has to play well. Uh, and and playing well doesn't necessarily mean addressing all the issues that have plagued you in your career, like shooting the ball. Playing well means doing the things that made you an all-star. Yeah, and then you're if being able to defend positions one through five made you an all-star, that's what you do now. If showing great court vision and getting guys the ball in positions where they can make plays and finish at the rim, that's what you need to do. You need to replicate the good Ben Simmons. You need to replicate the guy that frankly feels he's worth a max contract. If you're able to do that, that will in turn have other teams lining up, willing to at least conversate with Daryl Morey and the Sixers about what it will take to get you. Because right now, nobody wants you and to the point where they will, are willing to give up something of value because you ha he, does not have, he doesn't have enough cachet 
to be that guy. And I know some people have drawn comparisons between, you know, what James Harden did and what Ben is trying to do. And the problem with that analogy is this. James Harden is a former league MVP. James Harden playing out of shape, uninterested, still was getting like 16 and 8 in my in, in Houston when he was clearly dogging it to get out of town. Mm-hmm. Ben ain't that good. Ben can't just show up and dog it and put up numbers at, the way James could. Everyone knew that once James got out of Houston, he'd get his ass in shape. He would start playing the way that, you know, MVP James Harden plays. And lo and behold, he gets to Brooklyn slims down, just dropping dime looking like, looking like a better shooting Russell Westbrook out there with the triple flirting with triple doubles and doing all that stuff because he's that good a player. Ben is a very good player, but he ain't that good. He's not James Harden. Good. He's very good. But again, not that good and because he's not that guy he's there's a he has to have a different tack with his evacuation plan out of philly he can't do what james did and i think he's starting to realize that again there's only one path out of philly and that's through philly you gotta play if you want to not stay that's simple that's simple wow so corny I got nothing else. <laughs> I, I got nothing else. I, 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 I he left it all. The only thing, only thing I do have, actually, I, I that's a lot. I do got something else. I do have something else. Um, because we're talking about Ben, we're talking about the Sixers, and we know that that marriage is, is going to end at some point. It's a matter of when, not if. But assuming it ends sooner rather than later, does that affect or change at all the way you see the Sixers in relation to the Celtics? Good question. I, as of now, no, because similar to Brooklyn, I still do think the Sixers are well coached, obviously. And Joel Embiid is, has been hungry for the last few years to win as well. So that's what I love about the Eastern Conference is just the fact that there are so many good teams, so many great rosters that now that we can see them in action is going to be very difficult to say that the Celtics have any team that they can take lightly, similar, again, similar to Brooklyn. So I'm just curious to see, one, where Ben Simmons would end up, but also how they fill that void of him on defense and what they're willing to do to really make that that Sixers unit cohesive enough to be good enough for the Eastern Conference. So, See, that's this, is where, this is where we part ways. I think no Ben Simmons – and no elite defender coming back in return once you trade him, Philly yeah. is vulnerable to Boston. Philly, I, I think if Boston is at full strength, they have wave after wave of guys that I think can give Philly problems. Joel Embiid is going to be amazingly awesome. We know that. He's that yeah. good. He's a, to me, I think Joel has ascended to where when you're talking about the top five league MVP candidates, he's going to be in that conversation, I believe, for the next three, four years if he can yeah. stay healthy. Yeah. Tobias Harris is a very good score. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond those two, I think you got some question marks. Uh, and then you look over at the Celtics. If they're at, at their full strength, Tatum, all-star. Jalen Brown, all-star. Al Horford, he may have lost a step, but he still can impact the game. Robert Williams, another guy that I thought in his second preseason game looked a hell of a lot better than he did his first. And that's his elite athleticism, and he's a little bit stronger now. He can help you. 
then we're talking about Marcus Smart, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Josh Richardson. You start going down the list of guys that the Celtics have. I don't think that they have uh, – if you start – they have a deeper roster, bottom line. I think the Celtics – if you take Ben Simmons out of the mix, the Celtics have a deeper roster. And in the best of seven, I think they beat Philly. I do. I really do. Joel would have amazing numbers, but I don't think he'd get a lot of help. And, a- again, the other thing, too, is with Ime, you- you're talking about someone who has an intimate knowledge of-, of what that Sixers roster looks like and some of those key guys. Uh, when you're co- – there's there's no – you can't really put a price tag on how important how valuable it is for an assistant coach to leave one franchise for another and not take some of that institutional knowledge they gained yeah. when they were there with him. Uh, th- there's just no way of getting around that. Mm-hmm. So, and I he's worked with two franchises that exactly. are potential threats. So, right. And so, I feel a lot better about Boston's chances in if there be Philly without Ben Simmons than if Boston had to deal with Brooklyn. Because again, Brooklyn, I still think on paper is the best team in the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference and should be the front runner are the favorite to win it all this year because of the, the, the talent that they have and the depth that they have. I mean, P- Patty Mills, uh, I think, is just a huge, huge pickup. And, you know, the Lo- Lopez, got, they, they've, they've got some good players. They, Brooklyn has some really good players who can do some really good things, uh, and they're going to be a problem with or without Kyrie. So hmm. now I'm done. All right. Now the clip is in. Now you left it all on the court. I have no, I have, I have nothing left in, in nothing left to offer. Well, what uh, do you have from your other jobs? Well, I, I got something for them. I gotta have something for them because they, they keep, they keep it moving. Uh, but before we, before we, we leave, just another shout out to BetUS.com and don't forget to subscribe and like the podcast as well on all your apps and all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. All your all your podcasting apps and, and all that good stuff. So, um, as far as what I got coming, uh, just looking ahead to the Bleach Report, I've got some preseason stuff that'll be coming out in the next few days. Uh, doing some stuff with Ebony as well. Uh, did a story on Candace Parker uh, recently, and, and how you know she's just she's just she's bad. She's all that. Uh, just. Looking at her goat status and, and how, you know, she's such an amazing player and how we need to give her her props and give her her flowers now while her game is still tight and strong. Uh, and that's pretty much it for me. And what about you, Quinn? What do you got going on? I don't know. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm still doing the hub today. So we shot in Roxbury for actually it was part one. We're going to actually go back because it was so good that we have to finish that shoot. But Eventually, I'll let you all know when that local lowdown in Roxbury airs because it's it's going to be a really good one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Yeah. And looking forward to another podcast next week. We'll obviously be recapping the Celtics in their season opener against the New York Knicks, led by former Celtics Kimball Walker and Evan Fournier, uh, as well as uh, head coach Tom Thibodeau, former Celtics assistant on that OA championship squad. Uh, Tibbs is doing some good things in New York, and that's certainly going to be a very competitive game. And we'll have plenty to talk about, uh, as always. So for Quani A. Lunas, A. Shroud Blakely, we will see you 